Hey, uh, we're going to talk today. We're continuing the series that we started a few weeks ago uh, about family. And uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about children. Last week, Donnie preached about mothers, which was convenient since it was Mother's Day, almost like we planned that out or something. And then today, we're going to finish the series, and I'm going to talk to fathers, to dads. Dads, give me a fist in there. Be proud. Yes. Uh, I can remember I can remember distinctly, and I'm sure as most of you dads can, I can remember the day I became a dad. And, uh, and, and women are different than we are. Uh, as soon as the woman begins to carry the baby, they feel like a mom. Most of the time, we don't feel like a dad until there is the baby and we're holding it. And that's just a, just a kind of a difference. In fact, we're talking with someone, a young couple that was pregnant and just their first baby. And the wife said something about, well, he doesn't seem real excited. And, you know, we're like, hey, listen, he's going to be real excited once that baby's here. But right now it's just kind of too weird for him to figure out what's going on. You understand it, but he doesn't. And I can remember the day that I became a dad, which was the day that Emily was born. And um, just that feeling of excitement, that feeling of joy, and then the realization of responsibility. And there had been things that had led up to that point in my life that had made me more responsible. I'd graduated from college, and so now that's a little more responsibility. I'd gotten married. That's a lot more responsible than I'd had before. We had moved away. Uh, as a, Sherry and I had moved away, so we weren't anywhere. We're half the way, almost halfway across the country from our family. So that's a different level of responsibility. All those things had changed. We had bought our own house, another level of responsibility. But when we had a baby... That's when the first time I thought, wow, th- now I've really got to be responsible. Now I've really got to take care of things. And just that feeling of understanding that now providing for somebody is, is gone way up as number one on the list of things I've got to do. And you feel that as a father when that happens, or I did, I, you know, I feel that realizing, okay, now I've got to be sure that we've always got a place to live. We've always got electricity in that house. We've always got food to eat. We've got enough money for clothes. And then there's all this other responsibility that I'd never really thought of before until I had a child, which is things like, I've got to be sure that we keep this thing safe. You know, she's, she's tiny and we've got to keep her safe. And, and then I've got to be sure that we provide her with opportunities. So I've got to be responsible for that and, and give her opportunities to do music lessons or play sports or ride horses or whatever it is that she's going to want to do. And, and so all of a sudden, all this responsibility starts, you, you, it just starts piling up and you realize, wow, this is, this is very different than any place I've ever been before. And, and for, for maybe you're the same way when you became a dad. Maybe that was the first moment that that kind of started to, to crash in on you or to realize what was going on. And, and if you're like me, pretty soon you realize that your main focus was on the day-to-day, I got to get this done, I got to get these bills paid, I got to keep this, this provision going, and you feel like it's all on you. And pretty soon it's easy to forget the long view of what's going to happen down the road because you're just trying to make it through, I got to pay the bills this month. And that involves money. That means I got to work. I got to ask the boss if I can have some extra hours this week because we're going to come up short. And I got to, it's just the daily, the daily grind of it. And if you're like me as a dad, you begin to experience that and you begin to feel that when you have that first child. Well, the funny thing about time is, is that time never goes any slower or faster. There's 24 hours in every day, seven days in every week, and, you know, four or five weeks in every month, 12 months in every year, and it just moves at the same rate of speed. But for those of you that have raised children and they've moved on, they've grown up, they've left the house, 
you know that you've had a moment where you realize, wow, that seemed like it went really quickly. It seemed like just yesterday I was wiping this child's butt and now they're wiping my butt in the nursing home. Right? It, that, that's, it, it seems like it moves that quickly. And so you have this, 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 this realization at some point where you think, I wonder if I did all that I could do. Donnie and I have had this conversation several times over this last school year because we both had kids in this senior class that just stood up uh, down here in front of you. And we've just had the conversation to say, you know, I looked at him one day, I said, do you feel like you're wondering if you've really given Paul all that he needs? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, I feel the same way about Emily. Because it seems like there was a time when you thought, oh, I got a long time to talk to them about what they need to know. I've got a long time to pour into to their life the knowledge that I've got. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, where did it go? That was 18 years ago and now here we are. Did I miss the opportunity? Well, I want to read you a, a, a passage of Scripture that I think is one of the saddest passages of Scripture there is in the Bible because it, it's, a, it's a, um, a summary of how one father in particular, but a whole generation of fathers, missed the opportunity to give their kids what they needed. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open to the book of Judges. Judges is in the Old Testament. Uh, if you've got the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, then you got Joshua, then you got Judges. So it's kind of towards the front of the Bible. Judges, you can uh, look at Judges chapter 2. And I'm going to read verses 8 through 12 of Judges chapter 2. It says this, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at timnath Heres in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount and I think this is Gash, because it's got two A's in it. It doesn't look like Gash. So I think you said like of north of Mount Gash is how they said it back then, I believe, is the proper Hebrew pronunciation. Verse 10. After that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, that means they died, all right? After that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They provoked the Lord to anger. Now, the beginning of this passage of Scripture in verse 8, it starts off by telling us that Joshua, who was a servant of the Lord, that he died. He lived to be 110. Man, that is a full life. If you live to be 110 today, you're in the top, like, 1% of people who ever live as far as how old you live to be. So he lived a very full life, 110. And, and who is Joshua? Well, if, if you went to Sunday school as a kid or if you've read the Old Testament, you might know some of this. If you didn't, don't worry. I'm going to tell you right now. Joshua was... Uh, one of the, the main leaders of the nation of Israel. And there was a guy before him named Moses who was in charge of everything. And we read, as we read through the Old Testament, we find out that Joshua was Moses' right-hand man. A lot of the scripture in the Bible says that he was Moses' aide, but he was his right-hand guy. He was the guy that was right there with Moses. So Joshua had seen and experienced some amazing stuff that God did for the nation of Israel. Joshua was a slave in Egypt. He knew what it was like to be in slavery. 
So he lived through the Passover, which was when, when God kept sending plagues on Egypt, and then finally God said, I'm going to kill the firstborn in every household unless you take the blood of a lamb and you wipe it over your doorpost, and then I'll pass over that house. Joshua experienced that. He was there the next morning when all the Egyptians woke up and their firstborn children were dead in the bed. And Joshua heard the crying. He experienced that. Joshua lived through the Exodus where they finally left Egypt and and they got to this ocean and they couldn't get across because it's an ocean. And God made the water separate and they walked through on dry land. Joshua lived through that. When they cross over, then they get over into where the promised land, which is where uh, Moses was supposed to take the, the children of Israel. Joshua was there while they fought battles and they defeated people. And then they got to the, to the, the border of the promised land. And Moses said, I'm going to send some people in to see if we can take this land. He sent 12 people in. 10 of them came back and said, oh, we can't do it. The guys there are too big. We, our God's not big enough to do that. Two guys came back and said, no, this is our land. God gave it to us. We can do it. Guess who one of them was? Joshua. He was one of the two that came back. So Joshua then, because of his faithfulness, he was then given charge of everything after Moses died. So now he's leading the Israelites. So then he got to experience, he also got to experience being on the mountain with Moses when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Now, do you understand what this means? This means that Moses went up and Moses was in the presence of God. And who was there observing this? Joshua. There he was. He was right there with Moses, his right-hand man, because the Scripture says that they both came down the mountain together with the Ten Commandments. Then as he takes over and they go into the Promised Land, there's this huge city called Jericho, has gigantic walls. Nobody can beat this city in a battle. God says to Joshua, hey, put the marching band in front of the army. Let them go first. Let them blow their trumpets. They do that. The walls fall down. They go in. They destroy all the folks in Jericho. They take over the Promised Land. And Joshua Joshua gets to be a part of all this. Then later on, there's another battle, and Joshua needs more daylight so they can continue the battle. So you know what he does? He says to God, hey, God, will you make the sun stay still in the, in the sky for a few hours? And guess what? God did it. And you know what the Scripture says? It says, never before or since has the Lord listened to a man like he listened to Joshua at that moment. So Joshua got to ask God to stop the sun. God did it for him. Then they take over all of the promised land, and Joshua divided up all of the inheritance among all the 12 tribes of Israel. If there was ever anybody who understood how big God is, how amazing God is, how God can do things that can't be explained, how faithful God was to the Israelites, it was Joshua because he saw it. A few weeks ago, um, I ended up wasting about 35 minutes of my day because of the Internet, uh, which I know none of y'all have ever wasted any time on the Internet. But I, I, I came across, someone had posted an interview that this guy had done with Larry Bird. Now, I grew up, I was in the 80s, I was, I went, my, my middle school and high school time is the 1980s. So Larry Bird, to me, is one of the greatest dudes that ever lived. And, and so they were interviewing him, and I thought, well, I'll watch the first, you know, five minutes or so of this. Well, it was a 35-minute interview, and I watched all 35 minutes because they were talking to Larry Bird about stuff that I remembered seeing on TV. And so they're talking about these games that I watched and these, you know, NBA Finals games against the Lakers and all this kind of stuff. And But what I was hearing was Larry Bird had the inside story on all of it. He's saying, yeah, we went to the bench and Coach Casey Jones, he told us this. And then we went at halftime and I told the guys this and Kevin McHale said this to me. And I'm listening to that and I'm just zoned in on that because I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm getting the inside scoop on all of these great events that I can remember happening. 
Well, Joshua was, was that for the Israelites. He, he had the opportunity that he could have told them, hey, let me tell you about, I was on the mountain with Moses when God gave the Ten Commandments. Let me tell you about how cool that was. Or I asked God to stop the sun in the sky, and he did that. It was pretty amazing. Because, see, Joshua not only knew the things that the Lord had done, he lived them. He breathed them. Every day he was involved in something miraculous that God had, had, had done. And so when, when Moses died, they gave the, the responsibility of Israel to Joshua. So now Joshua has died. We know that in verse 8 it says he lived to 110 and he's died. So Joshua now has had the same responsibility because he's no longer going to be here. So he has to pass down the legacy that was given to him to the people after him. And look what it says in verse 10. Let's see how good of a job Joshua did at passing down the legacy. Verse 10 says this again. After that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. That's why I say that to me this is one of the saddest passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. That Joshua, who had so much to give, who had so much to teach the Israelites had so much to pass down, so much he experienced that he could tell them about and teach them about that it's some, for some reason, he and all the other fathers of that generation, they did not pass down what God had done for them to their sons and to their daughters. How does that happen? How in the world does that happen? As I thought about this, I think Joshua was not a lot different than we are, dads, that in Joshua's life, he got so involved in the day-to-day that he failed to see what was going to happen later on. I mean, think about what Joshua was dealing with. He was a general. He was having to make battle plans all the time. He ended up being a real estate developer at the end. He was having to divide up land between people. He was having to govern disputes of folks all the time. He had so much responsibility. I'm sure that he, his whole focus was, I got to get this done today. We got to take over Jericho. We got to beat these people. I'm going to ask God to make the sun stand still. We got to make the most of this time. And somehow doing all of that, he got so focused on the day-to-day that he forgot to focus on what he was leaving his children, what he was leaving his kids. And I think that we can do the same thing as dads today. We can get so focused on, I got to get these bills paid. I got to be sure that we got this house. I got to be sure that my kid, oh my gosh, my kid's driving now. They got to have a car. We don't have enough money for another car. I get better take on another job or do something else to get another car for this child to drive back and forth to school. And whatever it is, we get so focused on the daily that we forget to give them stuff that can last from now on when it has to do with their faith. And so I think there's a warning for us as dads. This is what I want you to know today. This is the warning for us as dads that we can read in this passage of Scripture in Joshua, and it's this. Don't get so focused on the daily battle that you fail to leave a legacy. Don't get so focused on the daily battle that you fail to leave a legacy. See, Joshua's having to battle every day, and that's the way we are. We're having to battle every day to keep our heads above water, to do what needs to be done. And if we're not careful, in this daily battle, we can get so focused on that that we don't leave a legacy of faith for our kids. See, it wasn't that, it wasn't that Joshua didn't have anything to share. He had plenty to share. He had plenty to teach, plenty to tell about. But Instead, he forgot to do what God had already commanded him to do. See, God, God commanded a long time before Joshua died, God commanded the Israelites 
to leave a legacy of faith for their kids. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy 4.9. It says this. You can just look on the screen. This is God talking to the Israelites, talking to the fathers of the Israelite nation. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. See, we've got a responsibility, dads, to leave a legacy of faith for our kids. And Joshua had that same responsibility. And we can end up just like him where we lose sight of what we're leaving as far as faith goes for the next generation. It says there in in verse 4-9, it says, do not forget the things your eyes have seen. I I I really don't think that Joshua forgot what he had seen. I don't think you can forget those kinds of things. I don't think he forgot the walls of Jericho falling down when somebody played a trumpet. I don't think he forgot the sun standing still in the sky. I don't think he forgot being on the mountain with Moses when the Ten Commandments were given. So I don't think forgetting what he had seen was the problem. I think it it gets to the next part where it says, or let them slip from your heart. See, sometimes what we can do is we know the great things God's done for us. We can remember them. But over time, they don't, they're not as important anymore. Over time, they fade. They lose their significance. We don't think about it like we used to. And over time, we, we can even convince ourselves that we really kind of are okay on our own without God's help. And I think that might have been some of the things that happened there for Joshua. Uh, Sherry and I went to a wedding yesterday. And, um, of course, any wedding you go to, one of the things that, that they do is they exchange vows. Now, here's the thing about exchanging vows. The, all the vows at weddings, even if they're different wordings, they all say basically the same thing. They say that you're committing to stay with each other until you die. And that means you're going to be with each other when you're skinny and fat, when you're sick and um, healthy, when you're rich and poor, probably going to be poor. It's, that's, what, that's what all vows say. They say the same thing. You're going to stay together until you die, no matter what happens, no matter where life takes you, and all that kind of stuff. Now, let me ask you a question. Does everybody fulfill those vows? Right. Now, do you think that, do you think that any time a marriage goes bad, some of you have been involved in those marriages where it just it went south, and you think any time a marriage goes bad, that the folks that are... Now that they took vows at some point, and now they're standing in front of a judge at divorce court, do you think that they don't remember the vows they took? Do you think that they're standing there saying, hey, um, you're getting a divorce, but you took vows that said you would stay together till death, and they say, I'm sorry, I, I do not recall that. You'll have to ask my lawyer. No, they remember the vows. They might not remember them word for word, but they remember taking vows, and they remember what they basically said. So what happened in there? I think what happens in marriage is what happens to us sometimes as dads when we try to leave a legacy of faith for our kids is that at some point the significance of those vows begins to dim over time and they slip from the hearts 
of the people that took the vows. And for us as dads, God has done amazing things in our lives. God has saved us from sin, and we can remember when that happened. We can think about the ways he's provided for us and provided for our family. But if we don't talk about those things to our children, if we don't share those things with them, then after time, then that, the significance of those things begin to fade. And it seems like something that happened a long time ago. And if we're not careful, we will let them slip from our hearts, and we will fail to leave a legacy for our children and not do what the end of Deuteronomy 4.9 says, which says, teach them to your children and to their children after them. But see, here's, here's the deal, dads. You have to know Jesus, and you have to have experience with Jesus in order to leave your children a legacy of faith. And so my first question to you today as a dad is do you even know Jesus? Do you even have a relationship with him? See, I would love to um, leave my children a collection of artwork, the great artwork of, of the world. Leave them some Rembrandts and Picassos and Gauguin's and a bunch of other people that I can't remember from school. I would love to leave them a collection of artwork. But here's the deal. I don't even own a painting of dogs playing poker. I don't have a collection of artwork to leave my children. And I cannot leave them something I don't have. And you can sit here today and you can hear what I say and think, yeah, Cliff, that's right, man, leave a legacy of faith, all that kind of stuff. But if you don't have a growing relationship with Jesus that is growing daily, where he's doing something in your life, where he saved you from sin, you're trusting in him for your salvation, you're not trusting in your own good works for salvation. If you don't have that, you can't leave a legacy of faith for your kids. You can't leave what you don't have. Now, there's others of you in here that you've got a relationship with Jesus. He saved you. you you're, you're trying to your best, and, and you're learning a little bit more every day. But if you allow that to slip from your heart and the importance of that to slip from your heart, then you're going to have a hard time leaving a legacy of faith for your kids, even though you've got a relationship with Jesus. That would be like if I did have the great collection of artwork, and I left it in my backyard in a leaky aluminum building. Then when it got time to leave it for my kids, there wouldn't be anything worth leaving. See, sometimes as dads, I think we can do a much better job of telling our kids about the big fish that we caught back before they were born when we still went fishing or, or about how great we were at football in high school. And those stories, we get better every year as we tell those stories, dads. Don't we get faster and all that kind of stuff? I think we can do a great job of telling our, our kids about the first car we have and how awesome it was. But how good of a job do we do about telling our kids about what Jesus has done in our life? about telling our kids about the day that we accepted him, the day that we were baptized. In, in a couple of weeks, we're going to do baptism. You know, one of the best things that you can do as a dad, if you've never followed Jesus in baptism, one of the best things that you can do as a dad is that you can take that step and you can stand before your kids and you can say, you know what, I gave my heart to Jesus a while back and I've never publicly let people know that. One of the best legacies of faith you can do is to be baptized in front of your children that they can see that dad stands up for his faith in Jesus. But we've got we've to talk about, we've got to teach these things to our kids, dads. And I'm not, listen, keep telling those old high school football stories. Your kids know you're lying anyway, but keep telling those things to them. Keep telling them about the big fish you caught. But add in some good stories about how Jesus has changed your life. Now, here's the, the difficult thing with, with this is that we get focused on the daily 
as dads. And that's why, you know, I've, I've told you that a while ago, we get focused on the, the daily struggle, and that's why we don't focus on what we're leaving as a legacy. The difficult thing is, is that if we focus on the daily, we'll get praised by pretty much everyone else around us. If your focus every day is working more hours, your boss is going to love you. He's going to pat you on the back. And you know what else he's going to do? He's going to give you more money, and he's going to give you a raise. And so your focus is on the daily, i gotta, I got to make more money to provide, because my third grade kid needs an iPhone, which they don't. Um, i gotta, I got to make more money because my 16-year-old son, he doesn't need a used car. I need to buy him something brand new, which he doesn't. We'll get into all that on another day. But, but that's what we get focused on, that we got to have the best for our kids, and I'm just trying to be a good dad and all this stuff. And so we focus on the daily, and then everyone around us will pat us on the back and say, good job. And the people that you know, they'll say, man, I heard you got a promotion. Awesome. They don't have any idea that you're neglecting your kids and that you're not leaving them a legacy of faith. And so we can get fooled by the folks around us that we're the best dad there is. When in fact, we're, we're not doing what we need to do. See, I think that's what happened to Joshua. It says that Joshua died, and it says then, after he died, the whole next generation of people, including his kids, his grandkids, his great-grandkids, they turned and they walked away from faith in God. And so Joshua, he's in the middle. Anybody else that looked at Joshua would have said, man, that dude has got it. He is respected, he's rich, and he's powerful. And men, you know, other than sex, there's nothing much that we want more than being respected, being rich, and being powerful. That's really what we want in life. And Joshua had all three of those things. And so anyone that looked at him would have said, that guy has got it. He is successful. But what Joshua didn't even realize was that when he died, he was going to be looked back at by his kids as not a man of faith, but a man of battle and a man of money and not as a man of faith. And so his success as a father, he wasn't as successful as he thought he was because the reality is this, how effective of a father you are may not fully be revealed until you're gone. How effective of a father I am and you are may not fully be revealed until after we're gone from this earth. When our grandkids and our great-grandkids, what have we passed down that now they have about Jesus? See, the next generation is going to reveal how good of a father we were. The next generation is going to reveal what we left them as far as faith is concerned. See, our kids, we talked about this a couple of weeks. Our kids are just like us. They're going to worship something. All of us are going to worship something. We've been created as worshipers. And look what it says in verse 11 and 12 that the Israelites did. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods of the peoples around them. They provoked the Lord to anger. Joshua did not leave a legacy of faith for his kids, and therefore his kids, his grandkids, they were going to worship something, so they turned to a false god and worshiped that. If we don't leave a legacy of faith for our kids and our grandkids, they'll worship a false god. They'll worship the false god of money. They'll worship the false god of sex. They'll worship the false god of power. They'll worship the false god of fame. They'll worship a false god if we don't give them the legacy of faith to worship the god who is the only true god. Now, dads, 
I just want you to know that I'm right there with you. I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you. I understand the, the pressure that you're under. I understand that you work hard, you deal with stuff, and you come home, and sometimes the last thing you want to do is talk to your kids about faith or maybe even anything. You just want to come home and sit in front of the TV and get something to drink and go to sleep and wake up the next morning and go back to work. That's what you want to do. And I understand that pressure, that we live with that. But I I just want to remind you, and I'm reminding myself, that God has given us as dads, he's given us the responsibility of leaving a legacy of faith for our kids. You might say, wait a minute, Cliff. Man, me and my wife are a team. Yes, I know you're a team. And she is going to help you and be right by your side as you do that. But I believe that when this time on this earth is done, that we will all stand before God. I believe this because of what Scripture teaches. We will all stand before God, and we'll have to answer to Him for the things we did and the things we didn't do. And I believe that God is going to look at us, look at me as fathers, and He's going to say, what did you do to leave a legacy of faith for your kids? I don't think He's going to ask our wives that. I think it's our responsibility. And we have the responsibility to leave a legacy of faith for our kids. Several years ago, I had a conversation with a little girl. And by the way, if you want to know what's going on in somebody's house, don't ask the parents. Ask the kids. They'll tell you everything. And I had a conversation with a little girl, and um, she revealed that um, it had been raining the Sunday before. And so she said, yeah, we woke up, and um, it was raining, so Mom said we didn't go to church when it rained. Which, there were two big problems with that. First of all, you don't go to church when it rains. Are you kidding me? You go play golf when it rains. You go to the mall when it rains. You go to a football game and sit in the rain. But you didn't want to come to church and sit inside where it's not raining anyway. So that's the first problem. The second problem was mom decided we don't go to church when it rains. Well, guess what? There's a dad that lived in that house. But dad didn't make the decisions about faith. Dad didn't make the decisions about what happens, whether his kids are going to learn about Jesus or not. Mom decided that. And mom was stupid enough to say, we don't go to church when it rains. And so there was two big problems there. Now, I understand, guys, sometimes it's just easier. And and listen, I know that ladies, they're, they're much more emotional, and sometimes spiritual things feel really emotional. And if we get too deep in Scripture and too deep in worship music, we might, oh my gosh, my kids might see me cry and we're kind of worried about that. It's okay. They saw you crying when you watched Finding Nemo with them, like in that video. It'll be all right. But so sometimes we want to leave that to our, to our wives. That's a responsibility our wives are not supposed to carry. That's our responsibility. And so, so here's what I want to do. I just want you to think about a few things as we finish up. The first thing, and it's the biggest question, and and some of you need to wrestle with this. The first question is, do you have something to leave? Do you have have something to leave your kids when it comes to, to Jesus? Do you have a relationship? Is it growing? Do you have something to leave them? And, and then, then the second thing, if you do, I want to encourage you to, to find ways to talk to your kids about what Jesus is doing in your life, what he's done in your life in the past, what he's doing in your life now. If you read Scripture and God teaches you something that day, don't keep it to yourself. Tell your kids. Share with them. Then they're going to know, hey, Dad reads the Bible. Not only does Dad read the Bible, guess what? 
God talks to people that read the Bible. Maybe I should read the Bible myself. Now, the other thing that I want you to think about is I want you to resist the urge to do this. Um, if uh, Hopefully this message has, has uh, impacted you in some way and made you want to do something. I want you to resist the urge to think, oh my goodness, we've lost all kind of time. We just got to make up for lost time and go home today. Kids, I'm giving you a week to read the entire Old Testament. Then I'm going to give you a test at the end of the week. And then the next week, we're going to read the New Testament. Then after that, we're going to take our TVs. We're going to throw them all out in the yard. We're never watching TV again because we're only reading the Bible. Don't do that, all right? Because then your kids will think you're crazy, and I'll think you're crazy too, and I'll come pick up your TV and take it to my house because it's probably nicer than my TV. But don't do that. What you need to do is this. You need to make small investments of time over a long period of time. Small investments of time made over a long period of time make big things happen. So instead of thinking, we got to read the whole Old Testament this week, how about just read a little bit of Bible with your kids today, and then tomorrow, and then the next day? How about pray in front of your kids today, and then tomorrow and the next day, and just a little bit, talk to them. You learn something in the message today, tell them about it. You learn something, listen to a podcast of somebody else who's a better preacher than I am. You learn something, listen to that, tell your kids about that. But make small investments of time over a long period of time, and then sit back and be amazed at what God does in the life of your kids. Dads, you can do this. I believe you can. I know it might be uncomfortable at first, but that's okay. Anything good that you do, it starts off uncomfortable the first time you try. Let me pray for you. We're going to go home uh, right after I'm done, and uh, just want to challenge you. Again, the, the big question I want you to think about is, do you have anything to leave your kids? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you don't, you don't understand if you've got a relationship with him, I want you to come down here and talk to me when this service is over with. And don't worry if anybody sees you. It'll be okay. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for this opportunity to be here, and thank you for our kids. Thank you for allowing me and the rest, so many of these other guys in here to be dads. Uh, it's a miracle that you, you let us have a, a part in the life of, of a child. And uh, I just pray for, for myself and for all of us that we would be aware of the fact that we have a limited amount of time with these, with these children and help us to leave a legacy of faith. Help us to talk about our faith. Help, help us to be open with them about our struggles and about how great you are. And uh, just we want to be sure that we tell them and send them out when they leave our homes with everything that they need to live as faithful followers of you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.